What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner. And I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. We are we are putting the absurd in absurd hypotheticals today. Um, when we put this question on the list, I didn't really expect it to be as stupid as it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a last minute question, too, because we when we were recording last week's episode, we didn't have this week's question until like last minute. Yeah, I mean, we, we have lots of questions to pick from, but we decided on, we, we landed on this one. I'm not quite sure why. I think it's just next on the list of yeah. candidates. I don't know. To me, to me, it seemed more reasonable just when you read it. And then when you start thinking about it is when you're like, huh. Does it sound hmm. reasonable when you when you read it? Uh, it did a li- It did more than when I got into it. We, but we, anyhow. Should, we should say what the question is so people can play along at home as we ask these hard-hitting questions. No, we're building suspense. Also, they can read the episode yeah, title. The also, title. that's a good point. The they did see episode. the episode title. They know already. But there might be people still in suspense. And for them, you're welcome. We built it up. But our question this week is, what if everyone was a sphere? Which, now that I've said it and revealed it, I realize that even though we say that, it doesn't give a clear idea of what we actually mean. Really does not. <laughs> so... We did go through, I set up sketches about exactly what we meant when we said everyone is a sphere. Maybe you should maybe send me those sketches and I'll put them on our video version of this. You really should. Yeah, we'll do that. Well, what um, I realized now, what it 100% was, was that meme where it was like, if X wore pants, would it wear them like this or like this? It was just <laughs> that. But if people were a sphere, would they look like this or this or this or this? And everyone yeah, was so, incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah, so draw, So th- we had four options. Number one was literally just a sphere, no limbs, face on it. Number two was a, a slight give to the fact that we might need some kind of appendages. So full sphere with a face on it had just hands and feet like directly attached to it. Yeah. Uh, number three is the sphere with the face on it with full arms and full legs. And then number four is more Willy Wonka in the the uh, chocolate factory where you have like full arms, full legs, and a head on top, and your center bit is just a sphere. We elected to go with number two, which was the full on <laughs> full sphere with just hands and feet attached, because to me that was the funniest. It is very funny. It's really good. It reminds me of Humpty Dumpty for some reason. It's very Humpty Dumpty, yeah. It does look very, yeah, it's very Humpty Dumpty. So what if we were all Humpty Dumpty is an only, interpretation. Only not egg shaped, like round shaped. Yeah, a, yeah. A, more, a more perfect Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Can, can, who can build a more perfect Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> Not the king's men. They can't even build the one. Yeah, also, personally, there is no doubt in my mind, this is hands down the dumbest thing we've ever done. Yes. Like, I, I realize that's a very loaded <laughs> statement because we've done a lot of dumb shit on this podcast. No question. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> Zero doubt in my mind. This is this is coming from the man who drank spicy milk. <laughs> yes. it was. It makes more sense to drink spicy milk than consider this question. Oh, man. All right. Well... Ben, how did you consider this question? So I wanted to figure out, like, obviously, if everyone is a perfect sphere like this, we're going to have to design a lot of things differently. So first, I want to figure out how how big of a sphere actually is this? So we decided that the diameter of the sphere 
was going to be just sort of map up with like the average height of a person. So I looked up the global average height for a man is five foot seven inches for a woman. It's five foot three inches, but obviously just the average isn't really enough because if we're going to, you know, design a building, we need to fit more than just the average person. We need, you know, the people who are larger than average. So then I started looking into, because I'm a huge nerd, I started looking at the distribution of heights. And heights, for the most part, follow a normal distribution, which basically means that the distribution of the values is symmetrical around the average or the mean. Additionally, with a normal distribution, uh, there's a statistical concept called the standard deviation, which is basically just describing how spread out the data is, right? So if something has a, a low standard deviation, they're all sort of clustered in towards that average. But if it has a high one, they're all much more spread out. But with a normal distribution, you can use that standard deviation to see how many fa values fall in a particular range. So specifically, about 68% of the values will fall within one standard deviation, 95% within two, and 99.7% within three. So for the most part, within that three standard deviations, almost everything will fall there. So for heights, the deviation standard deviation for men's heights is about three inches. Which so with those percentages is like sixty eight percent five foot four to five foot ten and then ninety nine point seven percent four foot ten to six foot four, and what's interesting is that for the most part that holds up pretty well that that pretty pretty well maps out heights. However, things get really weird when you talk about the extremes. Specifically, we're going to talk a little about a little bit about tall people and how they are statistically impossible. So. <laughs> The Guinness Book of this World Records. This doesn't remove them from existence, Ben. <laughs> no, so it doesn't make sense. Hold on. Okay. So the Guinness Book of World Records has accurate records for 10 men who were eight feet tall or taller, right? So using that mean of five foot seven and at standard deviation of three inches, that's 9.66 standard deviations above our mean. Assuming the heights are normally attributed, the odds of a single person being eight feet tall are one in 2.4 sextillion, which is 1.2.1, 1. 1, wow, 2.4 times 10 to the 21. Sort of for an idea of the odds of that, if you took 66 coins and flip them all simultaneously, the chance of all of those coins coming up heads is going to be five times higher than one person being eight feet tall. And it's happened 10 times. Well, we're very good at sextillions. Apparently. As a human race. <laughs> yeah. Other way to think about it, by the way, is that over the course of human history, there have been roughly 108 billion people, which is like orders or orders of magnitude less than that chance of one. So, wait, over what time period were those those eight people or ten people? I mean, the existence of the Guinness Book of World Records. So, oh, okay, there there have been more than that in, in human history, I'm sure, just because that's a relatively small. Ch I mean, I know people have gotten taller in recent history, but that's a small chunk of human history, and that's only the ones they have like actual medical records on. So I would imagine there have been other tall people, you know, eight foot tall plus people as well. Um, those are just the ones that we can like 100% sure say guaranteed happened. So does any of this actually matter to my answer? No, but I found it and it was cool and I had to share it. Um, also, really the important takeaway. even more extremely on the other side? Like if you have a very short person? I actually didn't look into that at all. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I... <laughs> the, <it's> the... <laughs> he doesn't care about short people. I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter that's that's mean you matter to short people i am looking at short people i figured the tall people was enough because once again doesn't actually matter for my answer at all really the only take only takeaway is that if we have things that are six foot four or wider that's going to fit 99.7 percent of the people so that's kind of our our target for the most part but where's this change this assumption that we have to you know suddenly people are much wider 
because the average shoulder width of, of a man now is about 18.1 inches. So if we're going to scale up things to be the same proportion, like width to a person, they're going to have to be about 3.7 times wider than they currently are, which doesn't seem that bad until you think about something like, say, a door. So by ADA regulations, the minimum open width of a door has to be 32 inches, which is like a little under three feet. By our new ADA regulations, assuming we keep that same proportion, that open width is going to have to be 118 inches or about 9.83 feet, which clearly is not going to work. So we're just going to say that we're going to put a little wiggle room on that three standard deviations of six foot four. And we're going to say that the width for a person to move through something is six foot eight or 80 inches. And some people will get caught by that, but they can deal. And how quickly we've abandoned, you know, the, the, the 1% at the edge of the bell curve. Hey, I am, it is the 0.1% maybe. <laughs> I did math for this. So we're going to say doors work that way. But what about something else that you can't really just, you know, do that? You have to sort of keep with the same proportions. We're going to talk about hallways. So to have something that functionally is a hallway, you kind of have to have it be able to let two people buy at the same time. So using that six foot eight distance, the hallways have to be 160 inches or 13 and a third feet, which is not a hallway. That's a room. So no, it's a ballway. Mm, no, I mm, think it's a room. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm pretty sure that's wider than the majority of the rooms in my apartment. <laughs> so once again, clearly not tenable. So the answer now is we actually don't really have two directional hallways anymore. All buildings are now omnidirectional because <laughs> it's the only way to still have it work. So every hallway, you can only go down one direction and it's six foot eight across. And you have to, if you go past where you have to go, you have to go all the way back around and get back there. A fun side effect here, by the way, is that, you know, right now the, like the status symbol place to be in like an office building is the corner office because you have, you know, nice windows and stuff. But now the status office is the one that's right next to the direction you have to move through the building. So you don't have to walk all the way around to get to where you're, you're working. Well, but if you... You want to be the one that's the, all the way at, all the way around the loop. So at the end of the day, you can just get out. Is that better? I feel like you'd rather have to walk around at the end than the start. You got to make it up eventually. It's better for you to get your exercise in the morning to increase your energy level throughout the day. Marcus is thinking, thinking smarter, not harder. All right. <laughs> I guess we'll. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, so I guess there is there is room for for preferences still, but it is interesting that you know it does definitely change like the layout of a building that way. So that's interesting. You're, you're getting to work. So one, first off, clearly you can't drive a car. Look at your stupid little hands. They're on the side of your body. It's not going to like, it's not good. It just doesn't happen. So you can't drive. So we're going to have to have a very, you know, strong public transit system. Uh, so theoretically, how wide does this bus or train have to be? So we need, I, I say a seat, but you can't actually sit down anymore. I don't think because your feet are just like directly on the floor you don't have legs i think you need legs to sit right the deep semantics question you can i guess you can kind of like lean backwards out of your back and then roll forward when you get there but that doesn't seem particularly comfortable man i just want to pull all the quotes out of this episode where tall people are a statistical impossibility do you need legs to sit <laughs> <laughs> point being in order to have like a functional bus, you're going to have to have a six foot eight wide space for a person, a six foot eight wide aisle, and a six foot eight wide space for another person on the other side. So assuming you do have two people still, like on one on either side, that's going to be 20 feet across. 
which means there are roads, unless they're also omnidirectional, will have to be 40 feet across, which of course means there are roads will be one-way roads, <laughs> and be 20 feet across, which is, you know, a little, getting a little ridiculous. Can I propose a solution to the bus problem? Okay, go on. Imagine you have a, like, an egg carton, but you only have the one row of the egg carton. So the first person gets on the bus, and they slot into their seat, which is lower than the floor level that you get in on. And that kind of descends a little bit. And now the next person can roll Rolls across and they can roll them? over the person <laughs> and roll across them into the next one. And you fill the bus that way. How do you get out? The, there's a platform that's got to raise up and then it puts you up. And then you just roll over everybody else to get to the front of the bus. Or there's a trap door at the bottom Maybe, of the Maybe, wait, hold on. We can think about this. What if, Ooh, what if, what, what if the bus just goes up? <laughs> what if the bus just like, God, there has to be a better. What if the bus just has... Like, literally, one wall, just the, the side that's, like, by the sidewalk, just moves down like a ramp, and you just roll on and off that way directly into one seat. That kind of works. Okay, that's that's better. That's better. <laughs> and you don't have to roll over people. You don't have to roll over people, which seems suboptimal. <laughs> Something I actually didn't explore that much, but I just realized when I was thinking about getting on top of a person, uh, stairs don't work anymore. I was going to mention, I was going to make an ADA ramp joke when you were talking about the ADA. And I'm like, ADA ramps are going to be very key. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ramps are important. Ramps are important. Elevators are big, literally. So one last thing. We've talked about your stupid tiny hands. I guess they're normal size hands. They just look funny because they're right on your body. But your stupidly positioned hands. So one thing I realized is that say you go to work, how are you going to do anything? Because you have these tiny hands and like you can't use a keyboard or anything because you can't. I guess you could like turn your whole body to face one way around and then like move your one hand around. But that seems really... Yeah, get one of those ergonomic keyboards that splits in half. Well, that's kind of what I went with, but it's also mounted on the side of your body on either side. Kind of like earmuffs, but I guess above your... I guess it's not a shoulder because you don't have arms. Right. I think because you keep on saying tiny hands, but I think we're saying that... You don't have arms or anything. It's just your yeah your wrist. They're not actually tiny. You just hands. have it's wrists. Just your yeah, your, wrist, your yeah. wrist is attached to the circumference of your of your sphere. Right. Exactly. So same with your legs. You don't have legs. You only have ankles. I want to try to figure out if you put a half of a keyboard on either side of your head. Do you have enough range of motion with just your wrists to hit all the keys on a keyboard? <laughs> so absolutely. I took a sheet of or paper <laughs> and a pen, and I fixed my wrist in place. Rotate as far as I could one direction and marked out how far, like what sections I could hit, and then went all the way around the other side into the same thing. I basically wound up with a effectively a rainbow shape that I could touch. It's about two and a half <laughs> inches wide and ten inches long, which is twenty five square inches of keyboard area. But you can get that on either side. So that's fifty inches of keyboard area. I then measured my actual keyboard, um, just the like letters keys portion. I have like you know the the arrow keys and number pad and everything. Ignoring that, just the letters keys keys and that's about four inches by 11 inches or 44 square inches total so we can fit a keyboard in our range of motion just using our wrists so i guess that's kind of how we do pretty much anything is just have this dumb like earmuff keyboard that goes i don't know if it goes around you or over the top of you probably over over the top of you like headphones (laughs) that you then sort of wiggle your wrists back and forth to type on but I don't want to knock your cool real life experiment with you know with with rainbow drawings and stuff. But I could also just I just put my my wrist over by where my space bar is, and move my hand left to right and realize I could reach basically all the keys on my. Yeah, keyboard. but I wanted to measure things. 
<laughs> I got a pen and paper. <laughs> did it old school. Yeah. I also only thought about, I did think about that, but after I'd already gotten the pen and paper out and I was committed, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm committed now. Yep, I'm in it. There's no turning back. Anyway, that's that's most of what I looked at. There are obviously many other problems because once again, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> what about like any job requiring physical work at all? They they don't. They don't work. <laughs> we make robots. We code them with our weird we head robots. keyboards. How do we make those robots? Head keyboards. <laughs> Headboards. You really hope you can you can luck into like 3D printing the first robot to build the rest of the robots or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's evolutionarily, if there's no reason for this to happen, it would not happen. We would just be eaten because we are large, fleshy meat bags. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty much what I did. What did you do, Chris? Yeah, so Chris, if you didn't solve that, what did you solve? So what I looked at was, I kind of assumed that if we're all sphere people, we're not really going to walk anymore because walking is inferior to rolling. <laughs> You'd have to resort to like waddling and stuff. It would take you forever to get anywhere. So I wanted to look at rolling. The one problem with rolling is that if you're rolling all the time, your head is moving all the time. So I want to look at like how can we navigate and like orient ourselves while we're rolling if our head is just like all over the place. So to start looking at this, I looked at BB-8 from Star Wars because <laughs> BB-8 always... Like, I always kind of wondered what how BB-8 worked, and then I was always just too lazy to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered. It was not the driving force of my my uh, my dement- not my my mania, yeah. <laughs> because I just didn't bother. Right. So this gave me the motivation to look it up, and apparently there is a website just called howbb8works.com. It was very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's not spelled out quite that way, well for us. And... The technology they use for BB-8 is actually very similar to something called Sphero. And Sphero is actually a company that was funded by Disney in an accelerator program before they actually even bought Star Wars at all. So they, I guess they had this technology just like in their back pocket. And Sphero, as well as BB-8, is they, they have what's called holomonic motion, which basically means that it can move in any direction at any time like immediately so it like doesn't have to turn around or pivot or anything it can immediately roll to the right or to the left or forward or back and the way it does this is that it uses a system of internal gyroscopes like counterweights and wheels uh it has like this internal system and it uses their motors and their their wheels to move an exoskeleton around that internal system so the internal part actually stays like upright and stationary and the exoskeleton is just rotating around it. That makes sense. Okay. And what this allows them to do is they have like a mast on top of the internal part and on top of that mast, they have a, a magnet and the magnet is what they attach the head to. So on the, the bottom part of BB-8's head, they have magnetic rollers. So they just attach it and it stays there. And then they roll the exoskeleton and the exoskeleton rolls under the head, but the head stays stationary because it's attached to that magnetic mast. So that's how that works. We cannot do this because our insides roll around with us when we roll. (laughs) 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 
so we can't really mimic this. But we can do something similar. I kind of had like some inspiration from this BB-8 design. So I came up with my own idea for like a belt type idea where as long as we don't roll, because I feel like we're not going to be rolling forward or backward so that like our head and feet are rolling over each other. We're more going to be rolling sideways. That seems more natural to me. So as long as we stay rolling sideways, we can wear this belt and the belt will have, it'll be made of like a sleeve, a hollow sleeve. And then in the sleeve, there'll be an inner core and the core will be weighted. So it'll be heavier on one side and there'll be rollers between the core and the sleeve so that while we're rolling, the sleeve is rolling with us, but the core is staying upright. Okay. So that, so that will be the internal, our internal BB-8 thing. And the top of the core will be magnetic, and we can attach to that like a camera or a GoPro or something, some sort of camera with like magnetic rollers, just like BB-8's head. And it'll basically just work exactly like BB-8. And there are, I mean, there are a bunch of camera rigs that actually basically work like this. Like they use counterweights to smooth the movement of cameras so it's like not shaky. It's basically the same idea, same principles. Uh, we're just using it in a very strange way. So, and then now that we have a camera that's staying upright while we're rolling, we can wear like VR goggles or some sort of goggle on our eyes and we will be able to see without like whipping our head around. So that solves the seeing where we're going problem. Next, I wanted to see if we actually would get dizzy from this because obviously we're spinning, we're rolling a lot, we might get dizzy. I wasn't actually sure before this if... You close your eyes, would you get dizzy? And I guess, thinking about it now, I don't think I've ever tried to spin around while I'm closing my eyes. You get dizzy. Yeah, you get dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You spoilers, you get dizzy. I'm pretty sure you actually get dizzier. Um, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I, I think that de- might depend on how you're spinning. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, I think you probably, can, you're probably like you're... less controlled if your eyes are closed in the way that you spin. I, I thought it also related to like, you do have some... You can still get some visual information to help your body, like, keep track of where you are with your eyes open, whereas it has to entirely use your inner ear if your eyes are closed. Right. Well, there was there were two different parts to it. So there was the visual part, and they said that, like, if you keep your eyes open, then it creates this flickering motion in your eyes, and that creates some dizziness. You don't want, you don't want that flickering mm-hmm. because your eyes can't really focus on one spot. So I figured, like, if you close your eyes, maybe that might eliminate that. And they do teach dancers, because dancers spin a lot. They teach dancers how to, I forget what the term was that they used, but they, they like, focus on one spot, and then they, like, jump from that spot to another spot to avoid that flickering motion in the eyes. So that's that's the visual part of it, of getting dizzy. But then they, they said that figure skaters, they actually spin fast enough where that that eye technique doesn't work anymore because they're just spinning way too fast. So the, the second part that it contributes to dizziness is, you, you, you alluded to it, the in, inner ear thing. It's called um, the vestibular system. Vestibular system? Yeah. That sounds good enough. <laughs> We're wrong with it. It's located in the upper portion of your inner ear, and it's made up of three semicircular canals. Uh, they're, like, oriented in three different axes axes of motion so like one detects if you're like nodding your head one detects if you're shaking your head and one detects if you like if you try to touch your ear to your shoulders 
So there's like a three acts of emotion. I, I just did all three of those as you were saying them for some reason. I, w- I was doing it as I was saying it too. Okay, cool. <laughs> Not just me then. Ben, you just like you like just like to play along. I really <laughs> do. It's kind of a problem sometimes. He likes to draw rainbows. <laughs> yeah, so these canals in your inner ear. And in these canals, there is a fluid called endolymph. So it's just like a little fluid stuff. And on the sides of your canals, there are hair-like nerve cells. And what happens is if you move your head, then the fluid like moves around and stimulates these nerve cells and your brain detects that as motion. So if you're like spinning or so if you like turn your head, the, the fluid because of inertia actually doesn't move, but your head moves around it. And that's what stimulates the, the nerve cells. But if you're spinning, eventually, if you spin for long enough, then eventually the fluid will start moving with you. And it'll kind of like your brain will adapt to it. And then if you stop spinning, then because of inertia, the liquid, the fluid will keep on spinning. And that's why you kind of see the world spinning around you if you stop spinning. It's because your brain kind of thinks that you are still spinning. So the, the the article that I looked at, they actually used a metaphor of like just a glass of water on a lazy Susan. So if you put a glass of water on the middle of lazy, lazy Susan and then spin it around, just the motion of the water is what we would get. So how, how how do we like fight against this? How do we not be dizzy if we're spinning around all the time, if we're rolling around all the time? What figure, figure skaters do, because they spin all the time, is basically they just do it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's There's a whole article about what they do, and it was a lot of fancy talk. They, they labeled it with a word called habituation, and it's basically they just do it so much that their brain adapts to it and then they don't get dizzy anymore. The example they used for habituation in other situations that aren't related to dizziness is they said if you keep on eating something sweet, eventually it won't taste as sweet. So it's kind of the same idea with dizziness. But that's what figure skaters do. They just do it a lot. And if this this is like our main uh, way that we're like moving around and instead of like walking stuff, we're going to be doing this. We're going to develop this, this skill anyway. And we're not, we're probably not going to get dizzy at all just because we're doing it so much. So dizziness is not a problem. And we solved our looking around, staying oriented while we roll around problem. So we're good. We can roll around everywhere. So, uh, Marcus, what'd you look at? Um, I regret that I looked at anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was I was started thinking about whether this bald person would work and what he look might look like in an X-ray machine and all that. That's where I ended up. So, so kind of how I got onto this was I started with kind of on the same lines as Chris with kind of ba- I, I covered I wanted to look at balance. So one of the things that's come up a couple times this show, which is always one of my favorite things to look at because it's it's it's, it's easy math and it's kind of funny, is if you are a weird hypothetical shape <laughs> as we often are on the show balance can be tricky and so basically the way balance works from a mechanical point of view is you have your center of mass somewhere and if your center of mass is ever outside the footprint of what's supporting you so your literal feet prints if you're leaning towards the side and your center of mass goes past your you know your leading foot you're going to fall over because there's nothing to prevent you from overturning so, in our case, we're a big ball, and our feet are 
pretty close together in the middle. Again, we don't have exact numbers, but kind of just feeling it apart, you know. At most, they could be maybe, I gave them 18 inches apart before your feet would not be able to effectively reach the ground anymore. So I figured they should at least be moderately effective, so they I should just, touch the ground. I just figured they're the same distance away that our feet are now. From Which is each probably other. about 18 inches, actually. Which is about 18 inches. Yeah. I think, yeah. Ben, you said the shoulder width is 18 yeah. inches, so it's about, about that you know, it's kind of close to that. So if our center of gravity shifts more than 9 inches from our center in either direction, we're going to fall over. So the reason you don't fall over all the time in real life is that you are your body's pretty dang good at, one, spreading your feet further apart, or maneuvering the upper half of your body to kind of distribute weight. Like if you are picking up something on your left side, you're going to shift to the right to, you know, move your center of gravity over that way and balance it out. But if you're a ball, you really can't do much of that. So I want to look and see how far, how much our center of mass moves and how heavy a thing we could pick up before we start rolling away. So... I took myself as the example, so a six-foot diameter ball, uh, instead of the lanky-ass stick figure I am now, and I had to check my math a bunch of times, and it is correct, but you are going to be way more massive as a ball than you are as a, a, a stick man. The average person has a volume of about two and a half cubic feet, you know, give or take a little bit. A six-foot sphere has a volume of 113 cubic feet. Whoa. So from two and a half to one thirteen. So instead of weighing like you know, six or so, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would weigh about seven thousand pounds. Yeah, I don't know why, but when for some reason I was just imagining we get wider, but we'd also get deeper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, deeper is the big one. Yeah, and also just like all your legs and limbs and things. You're just you're basically just a stick. Like you're a tiny stick. Yeah. And a big circle is a big shape. I I thought about this and I realized that if I took it through to its logical conclusion, then the problem just becomes, hey, what if we weighed like, you know, a ton? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So good news is it's going to take something really heavy to move your center of gravity over to the edge. (laughs) Uh, You could lift something that weighs 3,500 pounds and just then fall over. So if you have that much wrist strength, congratulations, but now you've fallen. Bad news, of course, is that you weigh 7,000 pounds. So this 7,000 pounds is based on using the human body density, which is about the same density of water. So I was like, well, not every animal is just a wet meat bag. So maybe I can like model ourselves after like a much less dense animal, like a bird. Um, it turns out birds are still about 75% as dense as us. They're just really small, and all the volume that you imagine a bird has is all just feathers. So even if we were 75% as dense as we are now, it would still put us in, like, the 4,500-pound range or so. So, Ben, like you said, the one way you can take it is we stay heavy, we run into some problems, of course. First one is blood flow. We need to supply blood to our huge mass now. The comparable weighing animal that weighs about 7,000 pounds is a fucking elephant. (laughs) (laughs) So we could scale up our heart to match an elephant's 44-pound heart. The second thing that would go wrong that I haven't done the math on is the actual strength of your, like, skeleton and bones and body parts to be able, if you could support that, literally just, like, the, the pressure of your own weight. A spherical shell is a good shape to do this in, so you'd probably be okay. But the, the last part is the, the caloric intake each day to maintain that body. So, given that you need about as many calories as an elephant would, because you weigh about the same, 
Uh, you're gonna need 70,000 calories and 20 to 50 gallons of water a day. That's the equivalent of eating 1,859 chicken nuggets per day. <laughs> just to, just <laughs> what, to get what happens if you go on a diet? Like, you don't lose, or do you just get smaller? <laughs> I guess you would have, I imagine you would have a, a, a fatty layer on the outside of your um, bone shell. I hate this. kind of what I imagine. <laughs> I hate this oh, so yeah, we're much. Not... <laughs> yeah, so I, I stopped looking at the heavy. Because I decided that the next step is to modify our anatomy to accommodate some empty space into us. So we're, we're less dense and not just full of meat. So step one, I think the thing that you have to have is you need to have that exoskeleton. So, you know, bumps and bounces don't just murder you. So I, you can either have a solid shell, I think would be fine, with like some plates maybe, maybe some like plate joints. Or you could do maybe like a more like a spiderweb type frame. There's some complicated math somebody else can do about how many bones you would need to not, you know die so imagine we have a good a good spherical shell of bones that's the first step that's going to be fine the problem that we have now is that your organs inside are just kind of sloshed around especially if you're mostly hot empty space right now you're you know you don't want your kidney just like slapping around (laughs) the insides of your of your body it's not good for it so the first thing i thought of is if you if you were filled with air filled sacks that you could like 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 lungs, but you probably don't need that many lungs. So also just extra lungs. Once again, that could inflate. An excellent statement out of context. <laughs> so you could have extra lungs. And it's not ideal. So I think even if you have like these cushions, I think you're going to have a lot of movement. And your organs can get moved around a lot. Like kind of my basis of how much your organs can move. I looked at um, women when they're pregnant because they now have another person growing on the inside of them. Like, they, I saw a graphic of how much their internal organs move to accommodate that. And it's quite a lot. It's kind of creepy. And I am thankful I will not have to ever experience that myself. But I think I've hit what the anatomy should be. So this would be the best if we could somehow evolve this way. So I think what you want is you have the shell, and then from the shell towards the center is... Um, like bone struts <laughs> is what I'm going to call them. So you have in the very center your important stuff. You have your heart, you have your brain, all the, 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 the most important organs can go in this middle core. And then from there, you have bones going out to all to the outside skeleton. And I think what you would do is you would have these be a little flexible where you have like some, some either, you know, either muscle or flexible joints that would let you give a little little squish a little you know shock absorbing but we still have to put our organs somewhere and so i think you want to connect your organs to the bone struts in i guess organ sacs (laughs) and so you just have your different these will definitely be what they're named if if we evolved like this oh yeah yeah so i mean you need to have them like stay fairly put so they don't get jostled around so i think you have to have these just yeah, organ sacs attached to your bone struts <laughs> to attach to your um, your bone external bone sphere. And what I realized is I'm actually a genius because now that you have this these 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 sacs of organs on these struts, if you have the muscles to move the organs, you can actually use these to balance. You could shift your organ sac towards the outside or the inside of your bone strut to change your balancing. So maybe our internals can't stay stationary while we roll. <laughs> exactly. And so I was I was looking at some of the rolling mechanics um, in looking about how much organs can move around. 
And one of the things I was worried about is if we if we roll too fast, if we would just you know explode effect like our organs would just explode on the inside. So basically, I was looking at how much G force would be applied to your body based on like different rolling speeds, and how that would affect it. So basically, when you roll fast, the the outside edge of your ball is what's moving the fastest and has the most acceleration towards the center. And that's going to be what generates the G-force, is this this spinning acceleration. So the human body can withstand about 5 Gs. So if our organs organs are on the very outside of our shell, our outer shell will experience 5 Gs of force if we are rolling at 14 miles an hour, which is pretty fast, honestly. You know, it's faster than I can, well, faster than I can run, probably. (laughs) And some people, you know, people can sprint faster than 14 miles an hour. But here's where our um, bone strut organ sac system comes in handy. <laughs> because we don't have to have our important organs on the very outside of the, of the ball. We can bring them in. If they're at the midpoint, we can increase our rolling speed before we explode um, from 14 <laughs> miles an hour to 21 miles an hour. And now you're talking like, you know, professional sprinting speeds. And if we squish them all the way in, if we can get our key bits into a... 1.5 foot diameter ball in the middle we can roll at 30 miles an hour which is pretty sweet i don't think you need to go faster than 30 in, in your rolling ballness and not only that if you want to push it just like that little smidge more when people train for g-forces like astronauts and fighter pilots you actually can increase your body's you can acclimate your body to it and increase and survive higher g-forces so we've survived five and that'll be like that's like the safe limit you'll get that on like on the roller coaster that's like the safety limit but pilots and astronauts have acclimated themselves to 9G. So theoretical maximum speed you could roll with a 9G tolerance and your 1.5 foot organ ball in the middle <laughs> is going to be 40 miles an hour. And yeah, that's what I got. You could do it. You could be a hollow, bony, air sac foiled mess if you would want to. I've decided I don't like your answer. I agree. <laughs> We have an accord. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you don't like my answer? Or you don't like imagining my answer? Because those are very All... yes. <laughs> I I don't basically I don't like that you did or that I had to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are the only people who are actually a captive audience. Everyone else, you could have hit pause and left at when I said organ sacs or bone struts or literally any of the other words I said. Or when you attach the organ sacs to the bone struts. Yeah, that was my favorite part, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I will admit I didn't like saying it <laughs> either. So it was really just your pain that got me through that, answering that with, you know, a straight face. Cool. Good. Good and cool. Uh, quick aside, I have stripped down to my underwear. It is so fucking hot in this room. <laughs> <laughs> you stripped down during his answer? <laughs> yes. Chris, please leave that in. Ben, are you ready for a Would You Rather? I am. All right. This one's from the good book of 3,000 of them. Would you rather celebrate Christmas or Halloween all year round? Huh. Huh. I like both the holidays. So. They're both good holidays. So, I feel like. Huh. (laughs) <laughs> it is it is interesting there's a lot of like goods and bads yeah about there's a lot going bads. on here 
So let's talk about let's talk about gift giving a little bit. Yeah. Do we have to buy presents every day then? You do, but everyone else also then has to buy also presents, presents every day, and I think it's going to wind up being kind of a net zero situation. But you yeah, do like, still like have to buy gifting. I'm sure. Yeah. You're not gonna have. You're not gonna be able to go all out for everybody, of course, every day. Mm-hmm. So I think you're gonna very quickly fall into a pattern with you know with your loved ones that you celebrate Christmas with, where it's gonna be like you're gonna find the acceptable level of gift giving and maybe it's just like gift cards you paint yeah not even gift cards like you paint them a fucking picture like you, you draw them oh, a picture yeah, something that doesn't require buying anything it's gonna take a lot of time still though i don't know you you're gonna half-ass it for yeah. sure you're just like a card yeah but if you give someone just a card on christmas you're a big old asshole um well if if it's every day though <laughs> yeah i don't know that one's tough i mean it's like i guess it could be small i don't know you give them like a, like a chocolate bar or something that's a thing. Yeah, you can, get, you can get a variety pack from from the Costco of like eight thousand chocolates. Yeah, and you're set for a Boom, month. Wrap well, it up. well, now we're we're delving into the Halloween area. We are. Yes, yeah, so we don't need to wrap them for Halloween. So there's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, wrapping paper. Oh no, you're right. Here's where I'm. Fa- here's here's one that's driving me right now. Are there enough Halloween songs? There is. Oh no. There's there's Monster Mash. <laughs> there's the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, that works for both of them. Uh, it does, actually. You have that either way. <laughs> yeah, so that, that might just, <laughs> that could just be the default state. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's the Monster Mash. There are other ones. I just can't think of them. There's just those, like, like CDs that were just... It's thriller. Well, there, there were those CDs that were just, like, like, like haunted house sounds that people would play at Halloween, right? You know the ones I'm talking about? <laughs> ambiance. Yeah, ambiance. Yeah, like music. ambiance. Like, it's got, like... Th- crackling thunder and creaky and like a like a big and... big creepy laugh and like some growling yeah maybe. Mm. yeah you got that going that that good old bop right there what else do you have not a whole I mean, lot there's, there's definitely there's more thriller. music for christmas oh there is thriller that's true i mean there's there's definitely assorted songs right like it's just you're also, looking you don't, less like around halloween time people don't really expect you to play halloween music all the time that's true you have a little more leeway they do expect you to play Christmas music, mm-hmm. which is why there's more Christmas music. I would I would say that the music is more of a downside for Christmas than a downside for Halloween because even though there's more at Christmas, you're gonna yeah. always hear it. Whereas you just also don't really I feel hear like it. I feel like a good portion of just metal songs qualify for Halloween. This is true. Which is yeah. okay for me. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think that the, the the music the music standpoint goes actually in Halloween's favor. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other thing I was thinking with Halloween is that. Like, a big portion of it, particularly once you're, you know, like, our age, is just dressing up in a costume, right? You don't really go trick-or-treating anymore, like, whatever, yeah. But, like, either, you know, sometimes I wear them to work, sometimes I just want to go to a party or whatever, but there are a lot of costume options, and it's kind of just, instead of dressing up in normal clothes, we're just always dressing costumes. You just have a wardrobe of costumes. Yeah, which is kind of cool, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. That's actually, you know, how I'm, many I'm costumes? How many costumes would you need? Well, you're going to have seasonal ones, right? Because, like, you can't wear the same costumes in the winter as you can in the summer. Right. Just for, like, a survival standpoint. You have, you have to avoid some repetition. I don't know how much you'd have to avoid. I feel like a month's worth of costumes. Like, two, like 14 costumes for two weeks seems, like, a little too few. So, like, somewhere between, like, 20 and 30. The thing is with the costume, it's, like, way more obvious that you're... Re- like it for ne- if i wear the same shirt right now it'll be no one's gonna notice <laughs> mm-hmm. but if i wear like 
a werewolf costume and then i wear a werewolf costume again like two days later they can be like (laughs) was chris a werewolf (laughs) twice in one week (laughs) yeah yeah that is that is an annoyance and like are we are we gonna are we gonna assume that people accept that this thing is happening because it is weirder to celebrate is it weirder to celebrate halloween every day or is it weirder to celebrate christmas every day from a social standpoint we never establish if it's just you or it's everyone oh yeah that's a good question uh let me check the question again i believe it's just you oh that's that's different than if it's societal i think it's halloween but i think if it's just you i think it's christmas yeah but i will say christmas cheer like on february 20th is not what i want from anybody right yeah <laughs> right but but also person dressed as like i don't know <laughs> mis- like mr incredible isn't exactly what i want on any day of the year if they're the only one doing it can you just go goth forget the costumes if you go slightly over the top goth maybe does it count as celebrating halloween i feel like the costume has to be like not your normal thing yeah i I guess the way you celebrate halloween is like wearing a costume that's like sort of the baseline right and if it's what you always wear it's not a costume so if it's only you then you don't have to provide candy for people every day you will. But that's just like you go to work and you have a candy buck on your desk and you're that guy. Like, that's fine. That's easy enough. Right. But like people aren't going to be ringing your doorbell every day, which is nice. Right. Yeah. Which is if nice. it was a societal thing, that would get very annoying. It would. Okay. Last one I'm thinking here. Decorations. Christmas decorations are nice, but Halloween decorations hide dirt and cobwebs because they are dirt and cobwebs dirt and cobwebs yeah. and spiders it's, and bugs. Yeah. Not ideal. Okay. Is it is it weirder to be the person who has Halloween decorations up year-round or the person who has Christmas decorations up year-round? I think it's weirder to I think it's got to gotta be Halloween. What if you just <laughs> move into a very spooky-looking, like, you know, like, the house in every, you know, small-town horror movie that's, like, the one that's obviously haunted? What if you just move into that house and sort of don't really fix it that much? Does that count? Here's, here's, here's where I think the metric is, is... How long after Halloween are your Halloween decorations still up? Four days once you're sober again? Yeah, that's fair. Christmas decorations, though, I mean, people leave a Christmas tree up until, like, February. Yeah, but people always get annoyed with those people. (laughs) But there's a lot more people who do it. I feel like like it's probably weirder to have Halloween decorations up all year, but it's more annoying to have, to other people to have um, Christmas decorations up all year. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. It's it's a weird. I can't really explain it because I feel like like if if I knew two people and they they did this, I would like the the person that did the Halloween thing better. Yeah, I think that's just like being really committed to a bit. Whereas I'd be much more annoyed at the Christmas person. I guess that's kind of what boils down to at the end of it, isn't it? Like for the Christmas, you, you like the Christmas type, the person celebrating Christmas all year long. It's just like this overly cheerful and merry. It's Ned Flanders. It's Ned Flanders. Yeah, yeah. it's Ned Flanders. And the, the Halloween one is just like... Like, it's the cool substitute teacher in elementary school. Yeah, except it turns out they're not super cool. Their life is just kind of... Sad. Yeah, it's... Right. It's Well, that's probably a little bit true as well in other situations. <laughs> but you know what? Right, I think it's time to vote. I think we've, we've, we've reached that point. Yep. I'm going to go Halloween. I was going to go Halloween, too. Yeah. I'm going to go Christmas. There's... Boo. I, okay i love christmas i mean i like christmas too but all year round i like halloween better i think i just like imagine if i'd want to be in the house that's full of 
spiders like like you know they're not real spiders spiders. webs of course they're not real spiders well some of them are but um like just imagine sitting in my living room like watching like netflix or something and i'm surrounded by the halloween stuff is like weird father christmas it's just warm and inviting you know it's just i mean like usually halloween stuff isn't genuinely scary it's usually like jolly scary kind of oh no no like it's not like not like i'm gonna be scared of halloween decorations i'm saying like just the atmosphere it evokes. I feel like it's healthier to live in a, in a Christmas house than a Halloween house. Mental, like, you know, just for your emotional state. I disagree with that. I guess I agree, too. But this is what we're here to do, is disagree with each other. So You guys are a bunch of Grinches, and it's not exactly where I expected to end on our, what are our June, middle of June episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that picked the question. Christmas sucks. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us today. Um, as always, if you enjoy the show and want to show us your support, you can go to www.patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals and click on the become a patron button for just $1 a month. It's like no, it's less than a dollar a day, pennies a day. You can support our show. It means the world to us. You get access to our awesome behind the scenes episode where all sorts of wacky nonsense happens. And... Other than that, just stay hyped for episode 100. Just just to sort of remind everybody, we are going to be doing a very special lightning round. The mother of all lightning rounds. We are going to do 100 questions in 100 minutes. It is going to be wild. It is going to be a train wreck. Such a train wreck. I am going to lose my voice. And I imagine it is going to just become very, I don't know inbred by question like 65 or so and there will be punishments if we don't succeed yes and we're setting the stakes way high very (laughs) high so to find out all about that tune into episode 100 or check out our behind the scenes episode i believe we talk about it there that's not next episode though that's we're teasing you (laughs) yeah next episode is episode 99 99 guys almost to 100 but our next week's questions will be all about animals in our animal grab bag something our show has never done before (laughs) talk about animals